Hey, as the video shared, we're starting a new series, Fake News, Discerning Truth in a Post-Christian Culture. And again, fake news, it's a phenomenon that many of you are familiar with. It's simply news stories that are not true. And they spread when a, a fake news story is shared via social media so often that it appears to be true. I don't know how many of you remember from during the election something called Pizzagate. Anyone remember Pizzagate? A couple of you. Okay, so Pizzagate, it was a false news story that happened during last year's election, and it centered around this pizzeria called Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria. It's an actual pizzeria place in Washington, D.C. And what the story was saying is that this pizzeria was a part of a pedophile ring that kept children locked up at the pizzeria. And this pedophile ring had connections with the Democratic Party. The owner of the pizzeria was a supporter of Hillary Clinton. And then last December, after the election, a 28-year-old man from North Carolina decided to self-investigate the story. And so he walked into Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria with an AR-15 rifle. And he fired three shots in the pizzeria. Didn't hit anybody. Um, but he was looking for these locked-up children. Well, he didn't find any children there because it was a fake news story. And it, but the fake news story seemed real enough that it caused this man to create real danger. And these fake news stories, they don't even have to be spread on social media with real people. There's automated programs called bots, and bots can be used to create fake social media accounts. And uh, if you know where to go to buy these, you can uh, then purchase hundreds or thousands of these fake social media accounts, and you can um, create false traffic to your news site, but then it creates this... Uh, false sense of a trending topic. It's a fake news story that becomes a trending topic. And um, once uh, you spread a fake news story like that, once it's out there enough, it really becomes embedded in the social arena, and it's hard to tell what's real and what's fake on social media sometimes. Well, for us, when we say fake news, what we're talking about is culture's truth that conflicts with God's truth. Again, our culture is embedded with truth that conflicts with God's truth or biblical truth, and it has been spread to the point that it is. It's embedded in our culture, and it's hard to tell that it's really not truth because it's so embedded. This morning, we're going to look at the fake news called entitlement, the whole attitude of I deserve it or I'm worth it or it's owed to me. Uh, the scripture reader for this morning is Alex Reed. Alex, if you can make your way up to the podium. And as he does, I'm going to ask if you are able to please stand and face the center of the room. And we read from the center of the room uh, as a reminder to us where scripture is to be in our lives. It is to be central, both in our lives as individuals and as a community of faith. And so, Alex, whenever you're ready, please read from Luke chapter 12. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. 
I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whosoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Alex, thank you. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Again, fake news, when culture's truth conflicts with God's truth. And the definition I'm using for entitlement this morning is this sense that you are owed something by either life in general or because of who you are, this sense that you are owed something, you are entitled uh, to something. And, you know, if you think about it, it's really kind of interesting how entitlement is embedded in our culture because what are the messages that we send to individuals, starting from little kids on up? What is it that we tell people as often and as, as many chances as we get? Well, we say things like, you're special, you're special, or be who you want to be. You deserve the best. Make your dreams come true. Those messages, and many like it, are told to us over and over and over again, and at the same time, we tend to minimize expectations from people. You know, we don't want people to feel bad when they fail, and so we lower expectations for everyone. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And it's all about, you know, building self-esteem. We want everyone to feel good about themselves. And again, that's not all bad. There's nothing wrong with that per se. There are good things about that. But in a culture that is as focused on self-esteem as we are, you are going to get people with a pretty healthy sense of self-importance. Right? We see this all over the place. And then we end up with people who think the rules don't apply to them or expect others to do for them what they won't do or a basic lack of concern for others. Now, just a quick disclaimer, there is such a thing as healthy ambition, you know, a desire to attain something that causes you to set and work towards a goal or goals. Nothing wrong with that. That's good. But in this passage, it's a great example of entitlement where the man says to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. It's a dispute over inheritance. Now, in Scripture, in those times, the oldest son of a family would get a double portion of the inheritance, of the estate. And so maybe this is a dispute because the old, this is, maybe this is an oldest son who's not getting his double portion. Or maybe this is a younger brother just trying to get his fair share. But it was not uncommon for a rabbi to give a decision on disputed points of the law. And when I say the law, I don't mean the legal law per se, but the law in uh, Scripture is the first five books of the Old Testament. And so it wasn't uncommon for a rabbi to give a decision on a disputed point of the law. And Jesus' response to this man's request is he tells a parable of a rich fool. And this rich fool is a great example of the attitude of entitlement. 
Because first of all, in our culture of entitlement, as I've already referenced, we have this over-appreciation of self. And this rich fool also had an over-appreciation of self. Verses 16 to 19. Jesus told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, I'm just going to have another copy of that exact same scripture up there. And I just wanted to highlight the eyes and the mites of the rich fool's thinking, where he says, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, in this passage, there are six eyes and four mice. I called this message, I entitled this message, Entitled Meant, highlighting the M-E, because we live in a culture that tells us it's all about me. And so we have an overappreciation of ourselves. And while we have an overappreciation of ourselves, we have an underappreciation of blessings. You see, the rich fool's view of this abundant harvest that he got is it's a problem to be solved. It's not a blessing, it's a problem. Again, where it says in the parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. He immediately sees a problem. God blesses him, he sees a problem. Something good happens, he sees it as a problem. And what's his problem? I have no place to store my crops. Now, he did have some barns to store crops. He just didn't have enough space for his storage. He didn't have enough to store his abundance. And so he needs more storage. The man needs more space to store his stuff. The man needs more space to store his stuff. Does anyone here need more space to store your stuff? Folks, this is us. We don't have enough space to store our stuff. Do you know there's an entire industry in our country devoted to helping us store our stuff? There are over 50,000 storage units in the United States, over 50,000, representing over 2 billion square feet of storage at these units. Now, folks, these are just the storage unit facilities, not what we keep at home. 2 billion square feet just for extra stuff that we can't fit in our homes and our garages and any other storage sheds that we have on our property. 
Okay, confession time. I have a two-car garage. Okay, I have a two-car garage. I have lived in my house with this two-car garage for 13 years. In those 13 years, not once have I ever parked a car in my two-car garage. <laughs> Completely true. I'm not making it up. That's not fake news. That's true. Okay, I got a problem. I've got a problem. We have such a feeling of entitlement to our stuff that it doesn't even dawn on us. We don't even question how much we invest in storing it. We never ask the question, maybe I shouldn't have this much stuff. Maybe I should use this stuff to somehow give it away or bless others. It doesn't even dawn on us. We immediately go to, I got to find more place to store this stuff. And we totally miss the rich abundance that we have. It becomes just another problem. Where are we going to keep it all? Missing how much all we really have. And the fact that we have this problem shows how we underappreciate how much we are blessed. And then in this passage for the rich fool, there is no appreciation for appreciation. Look at these verses one more time. I'm not going to reread it again, but I just want you to look at them. And I want you to see what's missing. The thoughts of the rich fool, while it included six eyes and four mys, there are zero, zero expressions of gratitude. Not once does the rich fool express in any way, shape, or form gratitude for what he's been blessed with. Now, there's a big difference between privilege and entitlement. There's a big difference between blessing and entitlement. And that difference is as simple as thanksgiving. You see, when you feel privileged or when you feel blessed, you're thankful because you've been privileged, you've been blessed. But when we feel entitled, when we feel entitled, we're not thankful why should we be grateful for something that is owed to us? Something that we deserve, that we're worth. There's no reason to be thankful for what is coming to you, what you are entitled to. And so in a culture where I'm special, or I should be who I want to be, or I deserve the best, or my dreams should come true, I deserve everything I have, so why should I be thankful? I deserve it. The biblical truth, and we see it in verses 20 to 21, where God says to him, the rich fool, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And the biblical truth is, you and I are owed nothing. Now, let me just qualify what I mean by that. If you work for someone and there's an agreement that you're getting paid a certain wage for that work, okay, I'm not saying that that's not owed to you. Yeah, that's owed to you. I'm not saying you should never stand up for your rights. Standing up for your rights, that's a good thing. But maybe a better way of saying what I'm trying to say is you are owed nothing by God. 
The hard truth is God doesn't owe us a thing. We are entitled to not a thing. And God tells the rich fool that his life is over that very night. You know, Jesus once said, um, he was talking about worry, and he said, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to their life? And again, Jesus is talking about worrying in that context, but let me just take that question in a little different spin with that. Tell me, what exactly can we do to guarantee adding any time to our lives? Now, we can eat right. Uh, We can uh, exercise, live safely. Those are all good things. But not one of those things guarantee that any of us will live longer. Look, we can work hard all of our lives. That does not entitle us to a long retirement. We can be devoted to our families our entire lives, and that does not entitle us to see our grandchildren. The book of James says that when you talk about the future, you are to say, if it is the Lord's will. When you talk about the future, when you're making plans, we are to say, if it is the Lord's will. Let that sink in for a second. That everything you are planning on doing today, that you are going to do today, you are not entitled to any of it. You don't have a guarantee to anything that you currently have planned for the rest of the day today. You only get to do it today if the Lord wills. God owes us nothing. And at the same time, another truth from this passage is everything, everything that we have is a gift from God. Everything that we have is a gift from God. And while many of us here have worked very hard for what we have, whether that's our possessions or our abilities or our relationships, everything we have is a gift because even the ability and the opportunity to work hard is a gift. It's a gift. Acts 17 says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else else. How different would our world look if we viewed everything as a gift? Your job and your ability to do it, it's a gift. Being able to go to school, it's a gift. Your family, your friends, their gifts, your home, your apartment, your car, those are gifts. All of your stuff, those are all gifts. And all the things that we take for granted because we live in this culture of entitlement. Little things like the air that we get to breathe, the water we get to drink, the food we get to eat, and anything else we can possibly think of. They are all gifts, each and every single one. 
that we are actually enjoying right now. And we are not entitled to any one of them. And again, I'm not a fire and brimstone kind of guy, but anytime I read a passage where God calls somebody a fool, that kind of perks up my ears, okay? Because that's not something God does often. There's a warning from Jesus in this. Don't act like you're entitled to all this stuff because God has the freedom and ability to take it away if you do. And that makes sense to me because how do you feel or how would you feel if when you gave someone a gift, they acted like you owed it to them or there was no appreciation for it at all? In fact, maybe they don't even like the gift because it doesn't measure up to whatever their distorted expectations might be. And your response might be something like, hey, look, I just wanted you to appreciate the gift because it's not about the gift. It's about our relationship, which is why I gave you the gift. Well, for God, it's about the relationship. And Jesus says, be rich towards God. Well, what might that look like? I think 1 Timothy gives us a good idea where Paul writes, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. See, true life isn't taking all of our blessings and using them simply for ourselves, but true life is to be rich in good deeds because when we are rich in good deeds because of our faith in Jesus, now, now we are really living. See, Jesus expects our blessings to become other people's blessings. And we show God that we appreciate the gifts when we share them. Now, the good news for us, the good news is that God loves to give gifts. He absolutely loves to give us gifts. God doesn't owe you or I a single thing, but that doesn't matter to God because God loves to give gifts. Romans 8 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, give us all things? God loves to give gifts. And the danger with this attitude of entitlement, when it's all about me and I'm owed it, is that we miss that truth that God loves to give gifts and he gives them to you all the time. But when it's an attitude of it's all about me, we miss it. It's fake news, folks, that it's all about me, that we deserve it, that we're entitled to it. That's not true, that's a lie. The truth is, without Jesus, we are nothing. But Jesus takes better care of us than any selfish thing we can do for ourselves. Entitlement, it's fake news. 
The truth is, everything we have is a gift. And that's good because God loves to give gifts. And he wants us to see that he is everything we need. Do we see how God has blessed us? Do we notice the big and little gifts that God gives us every day or are we too entitled and it blinds us? Are we perceptive enough to see that we aren't entitled to any of it? God wants us to see the world as it actually is. Not a world where we are entitled, but a world that is full of gifts that come from God our Father through Jesus our Savior. That's the world we live in. Please pray with me. And Lord, first we thank you for the gift of your Son, his death on our behalf, and his resurrection in which he conquered death for us. And Lord, for that and all the, for him and all the other gifts that you give us and that we miss basically every day. Lord, I would ask you to help us with our hearts of entitlement. And Lord, to um, find the truth of that you don't owe us anything, but Lord, you just love to give us stuff. So Lord, I would ask that, again, you would open our eyes and help us see that you are everything we need. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.